You know what I was thinking about? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what I was uh, thinking about? <laughs> what? So, we've had some words about a certain profession on this podcast. Before. Oh, do you want to go here right now, right here, right now? Right here, right now? Do you want to use the J word? Well, we're here. <laughs> okay, so we may have said some things, like, in past episodes that, like, we're not the biggest fan of, like, J words. <laughs> I don't even want to say it. But it's just because, you know, like, we're not really a podcast of, like, integrity. Like, I think we just yeah. kind of sit here and it's, like... Yes, of course, like, we care about, like, the facts and, like, news and, like, being, like, real, but generally speaking, um, we don't. So, if you're a journalist and you're listening to this, please don't take anything that we say, like, for real. So, it would be rare that we would invite someone who's a journalist onto this podcast, but, um, I think we broke our own rules, Geraldine. Yeah, we ruined ourselves. I think we're compromised with our guest today. I think our audience is going to see us differently. Should we let her in? I locked her in that room and I've heard her banging on the door for like 10 minutes. Do you think I should let her out? I don't know. Just unleashing <laughs> the beast. She's going to start analyzing everything we say. Okay, so I'm Rob. I'm Geraldine. And our guest today is Natalie Rush. Insert applause noise. How are you, Natalie? Hi, I'm Thank you so much for having me on the show, even though I'm constantly getting slandered. <laughs> Natalie, you're not like going to grad school, right? Oh, no. <laughs> I would say it on the show. You first get slandered for being a grad student, now a journalist. I'm used to it at this point. It's fine. No, honestly, like, you are, like, pursuing passion. Like, that's beautiful. We're just sitting here on mics. You know what I mean? Like, what, are, what does any of this even mean? I think it's the perfect episode to have her on. Yeah. Because guess what we're reading today? It's so, a book. Yeah, we read a book. <laughs> About a journalist and yeah. a lesbian. Yeah, and it's like there's only so few lesbian journalists in my life. So I was like, you know what? Even though there's probably plenty. Like, remember that one journalist that I said I met at Sandra who was like a really yeah. nice lesbian? Yeah. Um, in person, not lesbian. I'd be concerned for you if you had a lot of lesbian journalists in your life. That's mental health issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. surround yourself in that I don't think I possibly ever could. Um, but that's why you're my... You're my favorite one because you're the only one so, so i was like why not absolutely invite her on um everyone who's listening listening to this thinks we're probably the most evil hateful people but you know i was gonna start off somewhere completely different and i was gonna say that there's multiple people in this room who are hive and for oh, yeah. those who don't know hive hive defined as do you want to define it now well beyonce stands yeah beyonce stands so anyone who's on twitter Follow me at Rob Forever. Sort of like the spelling of like Mood Forever. I get it. Natalie didn't get that for a while. That was a little awkward. <laughs> but, and you can follow Natalie at? My Instagram and Twitter. Natalie with three E's and then Y three A's. It's a little complicated. I know. I'm trying to, it's, I'm trying to change it up for whatever reason. Natalie Rash is taken everywhere. I don't know why anybody <laughs> would want to use that name everywhere. unless you were trying to use it professionally, but I'm trying. Working on it. Well. Geraldine, do you consider yourself part of the hive? I mean, I like Beyonce. Okay, well, you don't have an option. Well, <laughs> so, it's like, oh, well, like, this well, is not a safe space for you. First, we're turning on journalists, and now I will turn on the Blinks in a second. You're, the Blinks love Beyonce. They better. I'm just saying. I love Beyonce, and I think it's probably because I have this, like, obsession with, like, highly reclusive but, like, super famous private women. Like, mm. part of why I'm obsessed with Beyonce so much is that... You don't really get to know anything about her. And she's the perfect type of celebrity who, in like 
I could see in 20 years down the line, because you know she's going to live forever, and she only has so many more amazing accolades and years of success ahead of her, could release, like, the most infamous tell-all story in the whole world, and it would, like, break the internet. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I just find myself becoming so infatuated, if not unhealthily obsessed with celebrities like that, and this book specifically is similar. And follows the story of a character named Evelyn Hugo, who is a recluse and who is like an international mega superstar actress. And um, for the majority of her life, lived it, you would think, very publicly, but has this immense private story going on behind the scenes. My grandmother, she's an avid reader, probably the biggest ally ever is for she whatever a reason. Also? Who also may or may not be a journalist <laughs> as well. But she so read this book and she said, yeah. Of evil. Listen, I'm from, I come from a family. Tainting your family line. <laughs> I come from a family of educators and oh. my grandmother oh. is the only. <laughs> oh, are you trying to say I something? No, and my grandmother <laughs> is the only other journalist in the family. And, you know, so naturally I was like, well, if I'm going to follow one of those, I'm going to be the writer. You know, I mm. always love writing. But so when she said to me, she's like, Natalie, you would love this book. She's like, I'm telling you, she read it. And she's like, you would love this book. I'm like, okay, well, I have to read it then. When she told me what it was about. Okay, grandma. Okay, I'm like, okay. But so I've read a lot of gay books throughout my life. And never has one about like, you know, a lesbian relationship or a relationship between two women resonated with me at all. Like they're always poorly written. I don't know if you guys have read any other lesbian books, but they're always poorly written in my experience. And so this book, I love it for that reason. And also I have a love-hate relationship with old Hollywood, gay yearning, you know, on and off Hollywood on Netflix by Ryan Murphy. Never watched it, probably won't. I I will never watch it. It's like you see the trailer for it and you know, like, it's just already on That's like a, yeah, it's, this book is like heartbreaking, but great at the same time. You know, it's not idealized, but this book, it was just perfect for me because it combines a lot of things that I care about and like. And then it has this journalist woman as the main character. Miss <laughs> Monique. Still don't know how I feel about her, but I have mixed thoughts. I don't think you're, you're you supposed have... to feel yeah. much about yeah. her. No. She's a vehicle for the story. In this book, we have, like, a lesbian relationship, but we also have, like, one of them is Latina, and it's, like, femme representation, mm-hmm. and sort of like Natalie was just saying, like, she's never seen lesbians represented this way. Mm-hmm. Um, We're just reaching a new wave of yeah. literary fiction where authors are really putting into account like you can write a book about lesbians and they're not just white lesbians Mm -hmm. and there's something that feels so classic about it too like it goes it doesn't like read like you're reading something that's trying to make a point of being like oh i'm this author that wrote about these inclusive characters or this inclusive plot like it just feels very natural and i think the fact that it's old hollywood makes it feel so much more real because you know stuff like this went on back then like you know stuff like this was going on in old hollywood Historical fiction, that with like a twist, is like my new favorite genre I because just, like, historical I'm with fiction that. with like the spice that this book has. Mm. Like, I want to read history through the lens of queer people always. Like, getting it that rewriting of well, what it was kind of it? reminds me of like how people are always like, well, gay people are creating internet culture. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. well, what hand did like gay people have in? past like historical time periods that we don't recognize as readily as we do now according to this book like everything i yeah. feel like you have gay producers of movies and even that's that's just the gag is that this main character woman who is publicly internationally famous for being married to a several men actually 
is bisexual and the person she's always loved is someone who is woman and gay. Um, so the book begins, um, like we said, a journalist basically is hired to write. She's requested personally by the Evelyn Hugo to, at the time, write a article about her selling, auctioning off her dresses for breast cancer. But this was all a ploy by Miss Evelyn Hugo, which you'll learn later that she's a very... The mastermind herself. <laughs> Literally a mastermind. The mind of a master. And I do think it's me. interesting, like, going into the beginning of it, like, this woman, Monique, the journalist, the main, like, I guess the main character in a way, but not really. She's like, well, why me? I'm just this junior mm -hmm. copy editor. Why would I be chosen? Why would I be chosen? I don't think this happens to you. Yeah. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's like, like, she's like, like this is my fantasy. When I first read this book, it was when I, like, my sophomore year of college, and that was when I declared my journalism major. And the whole theme of this woman's character is that she's, like, doesn't know where her career is going. She doesn't know where her life's going. Because her husband, like, just left her, right? Mm -hmm. Or, like, they're yeah. on the rocks a little bit. Is he didn't really leave 35? her. Or am I wrong? I don't know if she's exactly 35. I don't remember no, her name exactly. Because I think she's a little bit beyond, like... Well, she's kind of like, where's my career going? Where's yeah, my life yeah, going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she gets asked by this famous reclusive woman that's so, like, you know, just the most famous... Emblematic ever. Yeah. of old Hollywood. And she's like, why me? Literally, why me? And it so. turns out that Evelyn Hugo doesn't call her over to write this story for this magazine, but she wants her to write her life story in a authorized biography. And she does frame it in the beginning like, oh, I'm going to tell you about the love of my life, right? Doesn't that come up? Cause well, then the first question that Monique has for her, because she stayed up all night thinking about it, was who was your the love of your life? Because she's had seven husbands, so yeah. she's like, well, which one is it? Because that's what all yeah. the articles write about when they talk about Evelyn Hugo. It's the fact that she had seven husbands. That sort of eclipses her whole career at this point in her life. I think where the book starts off as readers, I like how obviously we're kept in the dark. Um, and the main question is why Monique is chosen. And also, I mean, I knew that it was going to be a gay book. It's LGBT literature. So I basically, to my understanding, was like, oh, so we're going to get a, like a lesbian love story, which we do get. But I like how um, it's actually a lot, gives a lot of just queer representation in general because Evelyn herself, and this is, becomes a huge struggle um, in her relationship with our other main character, Celia. So um, to skip a bit forward, obviously we have Evelyn become an actress. She gets there by marrying someone. It's husband number one. He's just this guy who's going to work on as a movie rig, and he gets her into Hollywood. Uh, when she's there, she starts climbing the ropes by like befriending and seducing, at the age of 16, she's really young, movie producers, and she ends up working on the film um, Little Women, right? And this is a very... Eventually. A, eventually. It's a bit of a fast track. But I just want to introduce Celia um, before we get into, I guess, some of her, her husbands, which are really just plot points. This character, Celia, um, is a lesbian, and she's gay, and she's obviously closeted in Hollywood in the 19... 50s? She's a rising starlet. And a rock, mm -hmm. like the rising starlet, um, at a young age, winning Oscars, captivating audiences, and really praised for her acting. This is something that she it's a talent of hers. Whereas mm -hmm. for Evelyn, it's the it's more the appeal the of tenacity. Fame. Yeah, and the Got energy her where she is as opposed to her acting ability. Exactly. And that's how they differ. And the seeds are planted kind of early on of this is her competition. Um, and we all love an enemies to friends love story. This isn't really one of but those. It doesn't even last us that for that long. It doesn't. It doesn't last that for like there's no, ten days. There's no like real like hate tension mm. there. No, no, but you you it's kind of becomes sort of obvious to the reader like so this is a girl. This is who this love yeah, story. Yeah, as soon as around. like I think there was a scene like even before we met uh, Celia 
where Monique's looking at photos and she said, and there's three women in the photos, Evelyn, Celia, and I think at Ruby was her name. But she goes like, only two of those women would be re- like recognized now. At that point, I was like, oh, so that's the woman though. Yes. That's her woman. Okay. And I think this is one of the first big questions to bring up is, and it becomes a huge problem in their relationship, which is Evelyn sees herself as very sexually free. I wouldn't say she's, I guess you could say she's bisexual, right? She's, Mm -hmm. she's, I think, if I remember correctly, illustrates her love for men. It's not stronger or more prevalent than her love for women. It's just she's attracted to bodies and not bodies, but whatever. Guys, anyone. And Celia is sort of like her awakening. But Celia has a big issue with this. And I like how even in, you know, this completely different era of American life, there's still issue. This goes into the intricacies within the queer community, which is how do we feel about people who are on one end of the sexuality spectrum being the knowing, confident in their gayness. Um, people who sort of like travel along the spectrum of that. How do we feel as, as gay people and you as a gay woman, Natalie. Well, the thing that... I just want to backtrack for a second, because when Celia is introduced, she's, like, this girl next door, gorgeous, beautiful, mm-hmm. like, big eyes, strawberry blonde hair, right? Like, yeah. And Evelyn, like you said, she is, like, more... You know, she sees herself more sexual, and she's more sexualized. Big titties, no ass, but... Yeah. <laughs> she got but, the Wendy body. Hopefully not. But the way... The thing <laughs> that I think is interesting about this book... <laughs> Is that- I all love to Wendy. This first of all, Wendy is a friend of the pod. Wendy, there's no Wendy slander here. I mean, she's like a wretched, horrendous person who will trash everyone in the whole world. And despite me being a barb, I do love Wendy. I may or may or may not have been on Wendy, but um, Evelyn and Evelyn just has those big boobs and nothing else, right? Celia, like she has this very like innocent look about her, you know, whatever, and she's very like feminine. But, and not that you can't have these roles, like, reverse or whatever, but she's very, like, domineering in some of these relationships in certain ways, and she has very strong opinions about Evelyn's sexuality and her sexuality, and I think it's just kind of interesting how she appears very, like, soft and feminine, but she has these things about her that sometimes she's a little controlling, even. When they first break up, I was gonna ask you guys, do you think she was, like, valid in her feelings to a full degree. Of course, she had her own side to it, and I think, you know, she is valid, but I was rereading it. I'm like, she was a little mean. It's like, wait, hold on. It's like, I feel bad for you. That's why I want to reread this book again, but, Geraldine, do you want to talk about why they broke up the first time? So, basically, to convince the world that she's not gay, um, she devises this plan because she knows there's this, like, at this point, he's, like, a fanboy of her. I think he, like, says... Like, that's my future wife when she goes to one of his concerts or whatever. Um, so she knows she yeah. can use her body and trick him into going to Vegas with her, getting married, <laughs> giving her, giving him well, sex that he wanted, first of all, but his, having it be lackluster, and then getting an annulment the next day. His section title is literally called Gullible McReva, and I think that like perfectly yeah. describes that he's very gullible, and he is like, oh, this hot woman wants to marry me, this movie star, and she's like, well, I'm just trying to like tell the world I'm not a lesbian, I'm not like with Celia. The one interesting thing about his character is that at the end, when he's like, let's call our people to get this divorce, she realizes that he liked playing the game as much as she did. Mm. Where he he was like, he enjoyed this breakup. And this rejection of that, like, one-night stand, one-night marriage. And she was like, ooh. But then she was like, well, I did what I had to do. It kind of sets the tone for, like, everyone's appetite for just, like, fame and publicity. And which rules her whole life. There's, throughout the book, 
there's so many blurred lines between, you know, what's the difference between what she's doing on screen versus in real life and, not real life, <laughs> and what she does um, for the public eye yeah. and what has true intentions. So, when she goes back to Celia and she's like, um, so I did this. She's like, you she, did what? She gets pregnant. Yeah. And they weren't on the same page. She did not think that they were going to have sex. Mm -hmm. And she gets really mad and she leaves. Which mm -hmm. I think, you know, Natalie was just saying you think she's being a little mean, which there's definitely evidence of that. I don't necessarily remember, but I do think she's valid. Well, she calls her what... a whore. Oh. <laughs> so you're condoning misogyny i'm like oh hold on well because the one thing i think is important to note is that the two of them come from very different backgrounds mm -hmm. evelyn is used to using her sexuality as a way to you know get from one point to the next but not in a way where she's like you know she's using it because she knows that she can get what she wants but it's for the better of like herself and the people she loves she's not doing it just to like go around I guess like Celia calls her be a whore like she's like oh if I do this I can be with the woman I love and then the way she sees it I guess they aren't exactly on the same page and so that messes up the whole thing because then Celia's like well you slept with him now you're pregnant like what is this what's they're the both deal? bad communicators yeah. because Evelyn knows how, they're that like she's 20 at this point right they're, they're young, young. Yeah. I think Celia at this point you know, could have communicated more what she didn't want to happen. But Evelyn also, she has a habit of doing things that she knows are probably not going to go over well, but she doesn't anyway, which is a little bit of her flaw. But if you're going to talk about leveraging her body, I mean, that's a whole facet of her personality because mm -hmm. she knows it's sort of like this sacrifice. Is it empowering that she knows that she can use it? Or is it, I don't want to use the word sad, but I don't know. I mean, it's something that has driven sort of like her whole career. I mean, we see her launch into, you know, she gets blackballed at one point by a studio because she has a rocky end to a marriage with a huge star who was being physically abusive to her. And one of her ways to climb back is kind of becoming a sex symbol. Um, I It endears me to her as a character. Personally, I love her. And I think that I think anyone who uses their body you know, for how they want to use it at 100,000%, they're right. Um, do I see how it could complicate her relationship with a partner, yes. But I think that's what makes Evelyn who she is at the end of the day. It's not like she's looking out for herself, but it's sort of like, is it her fault or is it society's fault that she has to do what she's got to do? Yeah. I mean, she escaped from New York and she's not going back. At this point, she's a star and she wants that Oscar. She wants that, le honestly, a legacy for herself and she knows that, that she can get it. At the same time, hiding all of these queer feelings. I don't know. It's very interesting. Are these female sex symbols that are always objectified by men you know, as simple as they seem? No, obviously not. So that's what she represents to me. And the fact that, so this book is in first person and it flips between Monique every once in a while and then Evelyn telling her story. And so sometimes I'm like, well, maybe she is an unreliable narrator to mm. a degree, but I find myself reading it and I'm like, there are times where I know the author or like some of the other characters, the way they're reacting to things. I'm like, oh, I should be mad at Evelyn right now. I should not like her mm. right now, but I'm never mad at her. I don't <laughs> know why. Like I'm no. always on her side. Yeah, <laughs> Like always. no matter what, even when she does things, because I just feel like, like I said, like she just is doing these things that she hurts people, but she's trying not to hurt them. She's yeah. trying to do things so she won't hurt them. And then she just does it the wrong way. Yeah. And then she ends up hurting them. And then they leave her for like years. But she's like, I'll bounce back. Like she always, yeah. she always yeah. has. Like she's like, I'll just she's... marry another guy. Yeah. Like the most like tenacious character yeah. I've ever seen in my life. Because again, she, yes. came from, yes. she came from nothing. Like she actually nothing. came from nothing. And she just wants to like, her 
move into Hollywood is she's like, I will make a name for myself. I will be famous. Mm -hmm. And then for a while, I think it's only a short amount of time that she's like, kind of like, oh, well, if anybody finds out we're lesbians, like, we'll be ruined. But I feel like she's more worried about people finding out Celia's a lesbian yeah. mm -hmm. versus yeah. people find out that she's interested in women. That she's, well, she's There's a whole but... scene where she's talking to Celia and she says, I did this for you because I know I'll be fine if mm -hmm. this yeah. comes out, but you won't be. Again, One, Celia, because you yeah. can't defend yourself, but also two, you won't force yourself to love a man. Mm -hmm. Evelyn has the capacity yeah. to just simply be with men. It works in her favor, and it's cute and protective in a way, but it's it's sad, like you were saying, like, she sacrifices, you know, maybe her own mental health, her own mental state to do things with these men, because she just wants to be, she wants to be with this woman, and it's hard for Celia to see that. I think they say it at one point where, um, I don't know if it's, it might be after they get back together, where they're talking about, um some relationship that Evelyn's had with a man or whatever, and Celia calls her a lesbian, I'm pretty sure, or is like, mm -hmm. oh, you're worried they're gonna find out you're a lesbian, and she, there's like this inner monologue Evelyn has where she's like, she keeps rejecting this one part of me, because she's not a lesbian, mm -hmm. she's a bisexual woman. She did say, like, a soft spot, a weak spot for them is that she says she was in love with Don Adler at one point in the yeah. relationship before he mm -hmm. became physically abusive, and that, like, touches, like, hits a chord with Celia, because yeah. she's like, well, I'm a lesbian, she's like, I love women, only women she's like and you have this weird capacity to be with men that's how she sees it but evelyn's just like i'm just bisexual like i'm just trying to mind my business like be yeah. a bisexual woman and she's like i'm in love with you celia why does this matter if i've been with mm. other men i'm with you i'm in love with you for, yeah. for me the only point at which i think evelyn really does things wrong is when she like there's nothing obviously there's nothing wrong with her being bi but if she knows, well, <laughs> it's like, well, what's better? Bi people are lesbian. No, I'm kidding. But like she, uh, for all our bi listeners, love you. Um, of course. This is not a biphobic podcast. No, never, never. I mean, it's gay book friends, but um, anyway. Maybe we'll lose my thought. Um, Might be looking for a co-host soon. <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, the only where she goes wrong is when she knows she's going to hurt people. Because it's like there's nothing wrong with her ha loving men. But if she's going to dedicate herself to someone who has their own growing to do. Because Celia, at the end of the day, it is wrong mm -hmm. that she rejects that whole part of Evelyn. But when it comes to a situation down the line when Evelyn has... This is now Celia and Evelyn are back together after some series of really adorable events, actually. Like... She ends up um, having a child with a close friend who's also gay. Now we have Celia happy and Evelyn happy with her, but she has the opportunity to do a very explicit sex scene with actually one of her ex-husbands. Um, the ex-husband, basically. Yeah, the real... The only one that... The real marriage thing. Yeah. And that's... The potency of that sex scene is that it's like, oh, so, but you actually used to love this person and he physically hurt you. And, you know, at this point, Celia has communicated so many times, like, it hurts me the fact that you like men and I'll accept that. But there's certain lines that I don't want to be blurred. Like it's, I know it's going to be something you're doing for screen, but this is going to affect me emotionally. So I wouldn't want you to do something like this. And Evelyn recognizes that and where she will always go wrong is when she just ignores things, not for like basically for selfish reasons. I don't know necessarily if she had to do 
that movie with Don Adler. I don't remember specifically. Well, the gag is is that she goes and she starts to film it, and they decide they're gonna do the sex scene, and she's oh, like, okay. "I shouldn't do the sex scene." In her head, she's like, "I shouldn't do this. I should check with Celia first. We should talk about this." But she does it because I don't know if she feels pressured into doing it or. It's just because she's like, well, this is my job. It means nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with Celia. This should mean nothing. I think she, it said, like, she loved the idea of showing a woman having pleasure instead yeah. of, like, the men always getting the yeah. pleasure. So mm-hmm. that's why she did it. Yeah. Because it's a French film, right? And so, or the yeah. director is it's French. Max, it's yeah. so, and so, you know, like, the French are a lot more, like, Sexually the French. We all at saw the time, especially, especially. Blue is the warmest color. Well, we're not going to talk about that, actually. <laughs> we're going to talk about how lesbian media and fiction is so bad. Ooh. Blue is the warmest color. We'll circle back. Yeah, we'll, we'll circle, circle back. back. But, so, <laughs> but so she does the sex scene, then she goes home and she says to Celia, she's like, listen, there's this sex scene they want to do. Would you be okay with me doing it? And Celia's like, well, no, I don't want you to do it. And she's like, well, I did it. I love that She's like, I did it. And then they break up again and don't see each other for years. How years, long is right? it? Like decade? Like a decade? It's, I, it, it's I think a it's while. Like, I think it's like five years though. And then I don't know oh, how fast you guys want to go into like then the next portion of it. Well, I, I wanna, have some thoughts on that. I'm going to talk about a tiny bit. Okay. I don't want to talk about Harry because I think it's okay. important yeah, to discuss him a little bit. Lovely man. Um, well, do well, any... I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Harry's a controversial thoughts. character. Next thoughts. Well, I think Why don't you girls, I, you know, I am so tired of talking about white gay men. So can you guys want to talk about it? Oh. <laughs> Do you I want just want to say it like the fact that who he, let's say who he is. Her GBF. Okay. He's a big time producer in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. Gives her her break, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Becomes her support. They're system. friendly. He's like the only like non creepy to her. Yeah. Like, and she's I mean, like, why do I like him? Only because he doesn't objectify me. And she, oh, she's like, bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she's like, wait, okay, fine, that's cool. And so yeah. they have this like you know they have like a bond over that. And I think my my only thought is just like because they're all in Hollywood at this time, you know, they're all producers in a position of power. I think anybody might be a little morally off. I don't think there's really a major problem with Harry, but, you know, there's, like, penultimate scene in the whole book. I'm not going to talk about it, but, like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, later. no, we but won't go there. He's but... problematic to a degree, but I like his character, and I like their relationship, and they, like, have something to offer each other, and they support each other throughout the whole thing. And I think, like, you know, Evelyn's constantly losing Celia, who's the most important person in her life, but Harry is always there, mm-hmm. and they have a child together. So they really are bonded as, like, besties yeah. they're like the ultimate like beards for each other they said they were soulmates Aww. it's so cute it is cute and i think it introduces one this other layer to like can you fall in love with someone's like personality yeah. yes you can mm-hmm. and two it's a nice break from like all the sexuality that's happening in the book yeah mm-hmm. their relationship is they do have sex and what? he does because he says question to her, mark yeah however he- long it seems to get knocked up i mean she seems yeah. pretty fertile and i don't he know says why to her, but i feel like <laughs> She seems for I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I don't know. I mean you think they were fucking multiple times, like they're friends. Like and I feel like it's a little gay. weird. He is gay. Oh, he's gay. He's he's gay. But he says yeah. to her at one point, he's like, you know, ever since I met you, I did want to like bed you. Yeah, he's like, ever since I met you. And she's like, okay, well, she's let's just do like that hot kids. girl. Yeah. She, yeah. Yeah. They, Listen, she's a hottie. Rob, we've seen you do some things with girls that we don't want. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Roll the tape. <laughs> If Claudia's well, I mean, we do have it on camera. Oh, oh no. Any videos of is... me for, on the beach? Any videos of me alone with Claudia Campanella <laughs> are banned from this podcast. Listen, you're lucky this is a podcast. Not, <laughs> not a show, not a TV show. It's like, I have never. It's like, we have no uh, screen. We can pull things up. We're like, well, we have yeah, proof right like, here. It's like, actually, exhibit A. Um, ladies and gentlemen, her. It's I just her it. with her creepers shuffling. Ah! Nightmare. They, oh. they create an enclave. 
What's the fuck they, is wrong with it? <laughs> well, they, are you talking what about their New, York, their New York yes. life? Oh, there, yeah, are, yeah. there are 20 pages. It's literally, I think, 20 pages out of this, what, like, 400-page book of, like, actual, like, domestic bliss. They're all finally happy. So Evelyn marries Harry, who is in love with John Braverman, and he is a football player. And so they convince Celia to marry him. And so then they can just be this little foursome. People think that they're swingers. People are like, oh, they're swingers. They're swingers. Mm. But they're just... Well, they're swinging something back and forth. Uh, remember when Gigi, um, gorgeous? <laughs> when she's baby. like, our friend, she's like, I, we're, we're welcoming our baby into the world. And then she's like, guys, it's not our baby. It's our friend group's baby. Like, it's our baby as a friend group. <laughs> like, it's all... Baby and all these major news outlets were like, "Oh my god, congratulations to Gigi and her partner for having a baby!" Yes. And then they're like, "Wait, no, it's not I've a baby. literally never heard of that baby again. No. Never. Where's the baby? It's not their baby. It's really a stunt it baby. Just, <laughs> but that's the smile of because Why did I think its name was Enzo? <laughs> this poor child. Baby Enzo. I just anyway. um yeah, Celia used. I she's like, "I'll be the aunt." To yeah, because because well, because Harry and Evelyn have well, a baby together. Wasn't interested in being a mother right ever. no but the four of them just like kind of raise the baby together because they no, live in the same apartment her. right no they have two That's... different apartments oh, yeah but oh, oh. harry goes to john's apartment celia goes to evelyn's apartment and i do want to say before we get too much into the baby there's also this whole portion where they kind of they become like activists sort of yeah. for a little while they're like they talk about supporting like democratic candidates martin luther king jr and then stonewall comes up at some point which kind of i think since the four of them are like queer gay whatever they're like very moved by what's going on but they kind of recognize like well we can't go and take away the attention first of all for the movement that's going on there and also put the attention on ourselves and put ourselves in a compromising position of are they gay why do they care mm-hmm. you know and so i think that's also important to the whole like new york thing going on because right now what it's the 60s mm-hmm. so and we've been in the 50s for a while so the 60s already kind of have this whole you know, feeling of political activism and stuff is changing in the country. And so it's interesting that the author decided to include some of that because I think it gives more context to the time period and kind of moves us out of L.A. into New York, mm-hmm. which, I don't know, I think that's interesting. Compared to other books, do you think that this book is a good balance of, like, gay bliss and also, like, gay yearning? Because I feel like it's often that it's not one or the other. It's both more often gay, which is, like, destruction <laughs> and depression than it is yeah. ever bliss. But I think this book, it's a realistic balance. Like, you said there's, like, a part of it, the 20 pages that were just, like, beautiful mm-hmm. to read, but and conflict returns. Yeah. And I did say earlier, I have a very, like, love-hate relationship with gay yearning in a plot. And where my... Where it gets, like, a little complicated is I, something that whenever I read something where the two people are so in love and then they split up for years or whatever and then they realize in the end we lost so much time, I that hurts me so much every time. And mm-hmm. every, like, gay book in some way, there's some type of heartbreak in that sense and that's one of, like, the themes you'll find throughout gay literature is, oh, all this time we lost and it's, like, So do you think in this sad. book it's, like, a trite trope or did you like the way it was used in this book what you said like i would say i like the way it's done because i honestly don't have any issues with this book i feel like no major no major issues nothing that makes me think that look bad geraldine has issues i can tell i don't know why no i don't (laughs) because i said this was my favorite books of all time and geraldine was like okay i agree i would say i I would put it in my top five (laughs) i think you didn't say anything exactly (laughs) why are you attacking me for being silent I'm nice. letting her speak. Like, obviously, it's, it's, you can't let other women speak. <laughs> were you silent or were you silent? Liz? Oh. 
Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> Let that sink in. Okay, listen, listen. So, did she finish her thought? Absolutely not. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I had to get in. Okay, no, what I was going to say was that this, I think, I would agree. I'd probably put it in my top five or ten books, and I don't have any major issues with it, but there are things that when I look back, I do have, like, critiques, you know? I'm going to have a critique with any type of media I consume, including oh. books. Okay, you're being over too. I'm you, gonna we know, we know where you're We know where this neutral perspective is coming from. So let's wrap up. Okay, going down the line, Geraldine, what was your favorite part in the book? Favorite part? Mm-hmm. Or parts? I just loved every time something went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Name it's like one. The wrong time, it's like the wrong time. It's like so much happens in this book. It's like wow, you really managed to make everything interesting. <laughs> like, that's impressive. Natalie, same question. Same question? Who okay. should go home tonight and why? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... I think we would my... both agree that you should go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting booted off the podcast. The listeners are like, you should. My cousin Megan's like, no! Okay, sorry, continue. I think, you know, which I think this might... You're saying everything that goes wrong is one of your favorite things. I have this this one specific moment that is so, like, almost, like, too sweet that, like, I think is so cute. I, that just made me, like, be like, aw. Because I love Evelyn and Celia together. But when she's home and Celia's at the Academy Awards or the Oscars or whatever, and she wins something and yeah. she kisses the TV yeah. and she chips her tooth on the screen yeah. but then it comes back later because then when they're broken up again Celia wins again at some point she's like oh anybody watching don't chip your tooth kissing the screen and they're not together at the time and it's just so <sighs> and it just that it makes my it's so sweet and that it ties back together and I think that's just I just love that aspect of it I don't know they have these like little moments that are happy and are sweet where they seem like a normal couple mm-hmm. And then everything goes wrong. Like, Geraldine said, <laughs> everything goes wrong. It's so like. But you know, like, in the grand scheme of things, they had a long relationship. They did, yeah. They spent a lot of time, like, happy together. Yeah. At least 20 years together. Yeah. Happy. It's just. But un- it was just broken up. <laughs> it's just unfortunate that it's always punctuated by a bad ending. Or- and then another man and a marriage. And also not being able to public- publicly be together. Yeah. Because that's my other thing with Celia, is that Celia gets so mad at Evelyn for doing certain things. and. You you know, doing things to, like, hide themselves. What if she, they can't be out? They can't be out together at this time without being, like, blackballed. And it's or, interesting because like, their positions sort of change. Where in the beginning of the relationship, Celia was like, well, I love you and I want to be with you. So why can't we just, like, be out and about and be together? And Evelyn was very, like, uh, defensive on that. But then towards the end of their lives... <laughs> <laughs> Evelyn completely it's not fl- funny. <laughs> Evelyn completely flips and she's like, Well, I will I don't care about Hollywood anymore. Like I will go public with this relationship. But Celia's like, No, actually I got work to do, so I'd really rather not be like ostracized right now. Because Evelyn also kind of stops working, right? Yeah. Like she's not doesn't act as much, but Celia takes on like, you know, the roles of like older characters. Yeah. She plays like I don't know, I never read Macbeth, so maybe oh, I don't know, but she Lady plays Macbeth. Lady Macbeth. That's an old character, I'm assuming, right? It's not like a young woman, yeah. is Lady it? Macbeth. Yes. That's like a full-on role. That bitch is evil. Yeah. She's just running bad than I have Celia is a method actress. I have to write an essay on it, like, by Tuesday, so. She's a really good actress. Yeah. I think, you know, thinking back now how Celia is a method actress, it makes me think of all the people that we know are method actors. They're all insane. Yeah. Celia's, like, a little off the rails sometimes. She did coke a lot. Celia? Yeah. I feel like that's her drug of choice. (laughs) I mean, sure. I'm sure they all did coke a lot, honestly. Yeah. They're all doing something. Yeah. 
little Connor sleeping. The <laughs> life child. that baby had. <laughs> that child. Like. So, I mean, like, my favorite part, like, I guess no one was going to ask. But, um, <laughs> you told me to stop you from talking too much, and I thought I was doing Yeah, I feel like you were succeeding. Yeah. So, um, next point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the twist, though, which isn't my favorite part, but I will say, I actually texted Natalie. I remember I said, oh, my God, I predicted this twist. And I think I texted you before I even read it because I do this a lot. It's my own fault. I overthink things. And I'm always trying to catch an author, like, trying to trick you, which I hate that I do. Like, whatever. I'm, like, just so smart like that. But I... <laughs> I was like, fuck, I know that Harry's boyfriend is Monique's dad. Like, I knew it. And, like, when they crashed, I was like, oh, my God, her father's dead and gay. I know it. I was like, I know it. Because she does go in at some points about something about her, her father just loved her mother so much. And it was a little bit too, like, it focused on that a little bit too much. And I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, we, you, I, I, the point in the book that you're in, like, three quarters of the way through, you don't even care anymore why she hired Monique. Like, you forget about it. Yeah. And that's why I was like, oh, like, they're going to reveal it soon. I just There's feel it. There's obviously a reason. There's a yeah. reason. And I think that this is one of the most revealing things about Evelyn's character because she's just crazy. I mean, She's the a mo- ride or die. She really, like, that's a GBF. <laughs> a GBF thing okay? Like, that's insane. Like, Megatron. she fully frames someone else for, um driving drunk i mean i don't know how i guess the crime reports were not like investigated they say he dies of like an aneurysm right i don't know because i'm thinking autopsies and good police work would be able to figure out that she she swapped the bodies but it was like what year was it the 60s or 70s so i don't know can i ask a question did either of you feel like the twist was a little not rushed but just kind of felt thrown in there like, I like the twist, but it was, like, all of a sudden, there's this twist, it happens, and then there's, it, like, 20 pages left of the book, and then I'm like, okay. It, you almost don't need the twist yeah. mm-hmm. at all. Like, I think it adds it adds more to, you know, Monique's character, who I kind of don't care about her as much as Evelyn. Like, she's interesting, she's not offensive as just, you know, like, this person yeah. moving the plot along, you know? Her perspective isn't interesting, and I don't, then there's this whole subplot of her husband that, like... That whole subplot was just... For her to show the reader that she's learning something from Evelyn. I think. Yeah, exactly. Because she's like, you know, I don't need him, right? Yeah. Isn't that kind of like her whole thing? Is she's mm-hmm. like, well, maybe I don't want him to come back, and then blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, all right. And it's like this little moment where it's like, okay. So do you think they could have maybe by developing Monique's character a little bit more, and it would have given it more of an emotional t- sense of like, oh, we actually care about this woman's relationship with her dead father. So then when it reveals that basically Evelyn has all the tea on why her father's dead, and that. You know, well, it would matter more, or do you still think this just not how she it? would do that, though? I would say possibly, but I also do not care enough about yeah. Monique to develop her. I want to know about Evelyn's it. life. It just yeah. felt kind of. I remember when I first read it, I was kind of like, okay. There had like, to have been like an easier way to like tell Evelyn's story. Yeah. That like sort of. It's not even that it overcomplicates the relationships between mm-hmm. like Monique, her father, and and Evelyn, but like. It just doesn't feel... Because Monique gets mad. She's like... Yeah, she's like, Ugh. She's like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? And then she's like, well, yeah. all right, I'm still going to write She's like, well, book. I'm still, like, completely enamored by Evelyn, so... Yeah. <laughs> so she's like, anyway, I'm still writing the book. Too. Yeah, I think that that Evelyn and... can, like, get away with murder, literally. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then yeah. still be, like, loved by even this person. She's like, well, you basically covered up the death of my father. So Harry's driving a car with his then boyfriend and he's drunk driving and he crashes the car and they both die. So Evelyn, when she gets to the scene before the police and everything, 
somehow this girl switches the bodies. I mean, these are grown men, so I was kind of like, and it's the well, car the, 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 the taxi up. driver helps her, and oh, she shit. promises alive, the taxi but... driver a place in Hollywood because he was an actor. Mm. He's a rising actor. Her, the pa- the yeah, power. Right. Evelyn can go most powerful. She bitch said, walking. "Help me." And tell me what you want. Yeah. And he goes, I want to be on Hollywood. She's like, like, and she goes, okay. Yeah. You got it. You got she's it. Such a, she's just such a queen. And I, I love, Natalie, that you said that. It's like she can just get away with anything. And even yes. the daughter of the person that she's sort of complicit in, well, did frame for murder. Yeah. She's like, but I, I still got to write this book about this woman because she's so insane. She's just too interesting, I think. Yeah. So she is just, her story is just too unique to anybody else is probably in Hollywood, even in this alternate universe of obviously this isn't exactly like our world or whatever, but there surely is probably someone in Hollywood that has like a life almost exactly like this. Mm-hmm. There's inspiration, but whatever. But it's just such an interesting story. Like imagine being the person that is like called up and like to write this novel about this, per- this book about this person and like hearing what their life is and this is what their life was. And they were in love with a woman and this whole, you know, it's crazy. Of course, she's going to want to still write it, even though it's like, well, she kind of killed your dad in a way. She didn't kill him, but right. she's involved in the, the crime. To defend the twist, I guess, quickly, because I don't, I understand why you guys don't like it. I think it's a little bit necessary for, like, I think Evelyn to, like, pass on. So, because she's at the end of her life. She has no, I mean, you know, she's old. She's like 81 or whatever. And, but all of the abundance that she once had has been gone for so long because she doesn't have her children, her child with her anyone she loves so I think it was smart I don't think it was well I don't think it was written the best that's the thing I think that if there was better because you said it's right before the last 20 pages so I think if there was just a little bit more meat in there it wouldn't have felt so out of it changes as the pace unnecessary. a little bit the pace changes yeah, okay, yeah. there where it's just kind of awkward but I still needed it like I liked well, to it's think... also like after you learn everything about Evelyn like what else can you do like that that's the whole pull of the book so like once that part of the book ends you get those last 20 pages and it's all the way back to monique and how she responds to everything that's happening and it's like well are we going to be satisfied with that because we love evelyn so much that all of a sudden we're ending the book on this note where she's not involved anymore Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I guess I just don't know how I would change the twist or fix it. I think it's still a little bit... I liked, I liked the idea that she, this whole time, the secret. I think it's a big secret to have. That's why I think I kind of predicted it, because I was like, that's dark. Because Evelyn is capable of, like, you don't know literally anything. Mm-hmm. So it speaks to that. And um, again, it's just, I don't know, a little bit shocking in a good way. Yeah. Well, I didn't hate it. I just, that, again, like I said before, I had critiques. That was it. Like, do we think this is a little bit based off of Elizabeth Taylor? Yes. Well, the author did say she was like inspired mm-hmm. by people in Hollywood, Taylor including, eight husbands. Yeah, including yeah. Elizabeth Taylor. I think it's hard to write a book about like old Hollywood without like doing a lot of research mm-hmm. and like because these inspirations. It's also mm-hmm. such a, a, a sensationalized time mm-hmm. in in media specifically where. Like, now media is so oversaturated, where back mm. then, like, those starlets were, like, those, like, 20 people that mm. everyone knew. Like, they controlled so much. So, like, taking that inspiration makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, like, she was, like, Beyonce, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bring everything back to Beyonce. I definitely put, I put, maybe. I mean, like, whatever. But, um... 
just going off the point Geraldine made, it's like, think about, this could never happen today where there's social media, whatever. This is a time where there was no social media. There was no, like, Evelyn Stan, Celia Stan's on Twitter writing, <laughs> yes. like, lesbian no. fanfic fan and cams. And you found out everything through these tabloids and through these, yeah. like, rumors and whatever. And, and so it was that's... very much this, that was very much, like, the beginning of that kind of culture mm-hmm. in the world. Stan culture. Mm. <laughs> I would have been Evelyn Stan for sure. Mm-hmm. Um... I want to talk about if it's a limited series. What the fuck? Oh God! Yeah, it, it needs to be done already? so well. Is it I don't know. She's okay. saying Natalie's saying I she hears something about freeform. I thought I saw that freeform picked it up. Yeah, which I should literally not happen. Which not? Which should they're gonna have Gina Rodriguez up in here playing? Wait, Evelyn. how? You this could, doesn't feel like a freeform show. No. The way I see it, and when we were talking, you said Netflix or HBO needs to take it. Mm-hmm. Netflix needs to take it and make it a big, gaudy, like, yeah. all over the top. Or HBO needs to take it and, and make, make it, it very, serious. like, yeah. serious and just good drama. HBO is my first option for Me everything. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So it will do it complete justice because mm-hmm. they will spend as much money You're as needs to be. You're saying will, but apparently freeform has it. Well, if they, I can't even imagine. You I don't know what? live in a world like One that. One thing I do want to say can't. is... As long as Ryan Murphy does not touch the story. <laughs> he's dying, too. As long too. as he does he's not touch bi- the story. He's bloodthirsty. He's like a lesbian to old Hollywood. That's the last person I want touching it. Never. Oh, so. my God. Do you want to talk more about lesbian media? Who doesn't love something like lesbian media? I don't know. Well, I just am never satisfied. satisfied. Yeah, I'm never satisfied. It's either, you know, something like Blue is Warmest Color, where it's overly sexualized to a degree, where, like, the two actresses who I respect both actresses that are in it. I like both of them actually, but they were both like, yeah, we were looking like abused on this set. And then you have something like portrait of a lady on fire. who It's it's just like, Oh my God, I just want, can we have a lesbian story in a modern setting just where they can be happy or where can something can happen where it's not, again, it comes back to gay yearning and like my love hate relationship with gay yearning. It can be done in a good way or a bad way. And so I just have, you know, issues with lesbian media. But like I said, this was the first thing that I read that, you know, has a couple of, you know, woman love woman couple where I'm like, okay, yeah, I love this. I think this is done well. Natalie, I love that you were here. (laughs) I think she brought a lot of insight. Yes. Perspective. You're my favorite gay woman. Thank you. Um, besides <laughs> Evelyn Hugo, um, I'll come second to her. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean she's bi, but um, yeah, I need to make some more bi girlfriends. I guess if you're listening, um, thank you so much for being here with us, thank Natalie. You Do you have anything you want to plug? Like, are you writing like a juicy article you want us to all bite into? Um, or? no, but you can check out my work at natalierash.com. Oh, I've read them. They're pretty yeah. good. I'll need to. I don't read much, but um, Follow I'll have me on to. Social media. Natalie with three E's and then Y three A's. Working on changing that. But. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure to follow us on social media at Gay Book Friends on Instagram. And oh, we're gonna launch TikTok. Hopefully by the time this that'll be out. Love you guys so much. This has been GBF. Um, what's a better way to end it? No. You can. Just, I feel you just end it however you want with something random. Yeah. Okay. Bye guys. Natalie, say bye. 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 bye.